What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. Looks very uncomfortable, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, so good to see you over there, as always. You know, I'm just trying to get settled in over here. Get your arms crossed on the table. Yeah, I'm just trying to see what's comfortable. Got a can of Bud Light open. You know, trying to not make too much noise in the studio. Sure, as he shifts around in his chair. Um, Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about that, Graham. No, we're not. We're here to talk about the World Series. Sick. No, we're not. Okay, good. I did. I think it was a year ago today we won the World Series, at least when we're recording this episode. Yep, yep, yep. I've seen all the videos of Solaire's bomb that it's now been, it's now taken a full revolution around the earth. Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, Yep, yep, yep. Unfortunately, we we are denied that joy that Philly, mainly Philly, is going through right now. Do you feel like, um, or do you understand what's about to happen if Philly wins? World Series. You mean in terms of the city going nuts? No, in terms of like Atlanta being again a doormat to a champion. Like it's happened so many times over the years that we lose to the eventual champion. Oh yeah, and across all sports. I hadn't even thought about that. It's so freaking annoying. Even in the last three years, it's happened. Let's see: Braves lose to Dodgers, Hawks lose to Bucks, uh, Braves lose to Phillies potentially. Um, Falcons, last time they were in the playoffs, they lost to the Eagles, who eventually won the damn Super Bowl. It's a bit of a stretch. The Hawks this past year lost to what? The Heat? The Heat didn't win the championship. They didn't. But I'm just saying it happens. It's happened a lot. You look at the last, since 1991, there's been, it's been happening at least 15, 16 times. Remember we talked about this actually in 2020 when this happened again, uh, when we lost to the Dodgers and the Dodgers won the World Series. It's just, it's happened. So, it's just like unbelievable how much, how many times it's happened. I'm I'm still cheering for these Astros just because, as we discussed last week, I can't get behind the Phillies. Sure. But there is something oddly satisfying about the possibility of the Astros losing to yet another scrappy team from the NL East right, that when just happened big, to get hot at the playoffs. Yeah, when they're the big favorites. For three years in a row, Nationals, yeah. Braves, and now potentially Phillies. Yeah, and it's it's also really funny how this World Series is playing out almost exactly how the World Series of the Braves is playing out. In terms of the outcome of game, at least as of this recording, uh, you know, Phillies won game one, Braves won game one. Astros win game two, Braves lose game two. Um, Astros, or excuse me, Phillies win game three, Braves won game three. It's like it's happening. It's not like the same exact like things are happening in the game, but uh, in terms of the pattern of the World Series, it's like it's it's the same in terms of who wins and who loses. I think they need to look at take a look at this whole two three two format. That's my favorite for games. I think it's uh, bullshit because it's such an advantage. Those three middle games being at the lower. If you seed. just steal one, yeah, all yeah. you got to do is win one of the first two. Everyone's a little nervous, a little jittery, and then you can just get on a heater at home, and the series is over, and the number one ranked team doesn't get a chance at home again. Well, I just say execute, man. You get two games at home to start the series. Take advantage of that shit. That's one. That's another way you can look well, at it. The Braves didn't. Astros didn't. Sure. Um, Astros didn't do it last year. No. So. But anywho. Uh, so what would you do? What would be your proposal? Go back to what it used to be. That This is always what it's been. No, it used to be two, two, one, <laughs> one. This, happened one. In the, this happens in the NBA. I've never seen this happen in baseball, though. I could swear it used to be. Like, Am if, I thinking of NBA? You're thinking of this happens in the NBA sometimes. I don't know if they still do it. They did that for a while. 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Braves, excuse me, baseball, for as long as I can remember, has always been 2-3-2 two, two for best of seven series. We'll have to fact check that one. Yeah, you can go do that. But that's how I uh, recall. And I think, Adam, we'll spend the rest of the time also talking more about the World Series. What what an amazing comeback by Philadelphia. No, no, no. Let's move down, on. Down uh, 5 nothing against I was only I, I was really hate-watching that last night, but now I'm... I'm I haven't like, watched a fucking inning, and I've appreciated that. I watched four. Wow. Yeah. But... It just make me too upset. Yeah. I got angry. Yeah. Everyone's going nuts about the Phillies and how great their fans are. They are 16th in the league in attendance this year. Like... Let's relax. They're really loud now, sure. Sure, because they're in the playoffs. You're in the World get, Series. Yeah, 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 right. Any city's going to be loud. Tampa yeah. Bay was loud. Yeah. You know? So yeah. just back off this whole Philly has great fans narrative. I think Philly does have great fans overall. They have very passionate Well, they fans. weren't there during the regular season. 
No, I mean, they, they didn't show up as much in the regular season, but you also have to remember they haven't been competitive in 10 years, so it's going to make attendance uh, dip a little bit. The Rangers had a better attendance than the Phillies this year. That's surprising. Yeah. They, they were pretty much out of it by June. Yeah. So, well, whatever. I would say overall, Philly does have, not to defend Philadelphia again, but they do, they do have, uh, I think, a good fan base. Go home to Philadelphia, Graham. All right. What do you John Kincaid over here? That's right. I'm going to pack up my things, go back home to Philadelphia, and resume being the most annoying guy on the radio. They love him in Philly, man. Oh, sure. Anywho, let's talk about this amazing Atlanta Falcons game. Sometimes we just get on a loop and can't stop. Yeah, yeah. Talking about bullshit. Um, Anyway, the craziest Falcons game, and God knows when, Adam. Falcons win 37-34 against Carolina in overtime uh, in a game that I went to on my own. I saw tickets were super cheap. I was like, it'd be like a, an, a, an affront not to go to this game without, like, it was like 29 bucks to go sit in the upper deck. So I was like, fuck it. Looks um, like you're like 50 yard line-ish. I was like the 35, okay. one of the 35s uh, in the upper deck. So I, mean, I could see everything, good seats. I had good people around me. I had some, like, I had a young couple next to me and I had two older guys sitting in front of me. They were like old school Falcons fans wearing like old Falcons gear. Nice. Talking shit. And, um, you know, the game started out very much like um, it felt like a lot of games I've been to over the last, like, four years where it's just not a lot of energy in the stadium, sort of, like, apathy watching. And then that pick six happened, um, like Lorenzo Carter, and everybody sort of woke up. And everybody got really in the game, making a lot of noise. Um, second down, third down on defense. And uh, it was, you know, there were still a lot of empty seats. But it was the most energy I've felt at a Falcons game uh, since divisional round the year we went to the Super Bowl. Like, like it, it wasn't it wasn't that same intensity, but it was the most intensity I've felt in a while. Like when you yelled on second and third down, everybody else was yelling around Everyone's, you. People are actually standing up. People are standing up. People are in the game. It was a good. It was so much better of an environment than than uh, any game I've been to in that stadium before for football, at least. That's good. I mean, and it's only going to, as we, I mean, first place Falcons right now, baby. First like first place. Totally first place. There's no like, t- you know, the records aren't tied or anything. The Falcons are in first place, albeit at four and four, but fourth, fourth pl- uh, first place, nevertheless. I mean, what a crazy, crazy game. Just so many ups and downs. Both teams had it won and then lost it instantly yeah. and then get it back. Uh, where do you want to go with this? I don't know. There's there's so many things to talk about. I think one of the things that was um, really standing out to me was um, that probably got lost a little bit in the drama of you know Carolina missing that super easy kick and overtime and the hail mary pass to DJ Moore was Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts kind of dominated that game from a receiving standpoint. Five catches for 80 yards, one touchdown. May not look eye popping to the average person, but in terms of what Kyle Pitts had been getting, like three catches for 19 yards every week and maybe a touchdown. This was like he made a lot of really good catches in this game, including that that touchdown catch that he had that was thrown way behind him. And um, just seeing him in person, man, he is he is a hell of a specimen. I mean, that that catch just blew my mind. I was like, I don't know how the hell he came down with that. I don't know. One of my favorite moments for the game. I don't know if you could really see this fully from where you were sitting. Was I think it was the same drive. Kyle Pitts catches one over the middle. The safety comes in for a huge hit. And like Kyle Pitts just basically bounces off this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like no problem. The safety's down. He looks concussed. Yeah. Kyle Pitts just gets up and instantly does the first down. Yeah. yeah no problem. And then shortly after that, uh, Drake London does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Going over the middle, takes a big hit, completely unaffected. Yeah. It's like this is what Arthur Smith has been wanting to bring in. Whereas if you look at former Falcon. Calvin Ridley. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. Like, if you remember last year before he took his personal leave, he was scared across the middle at all. Oh, yeah, like, he was he, dropping he was, passes. As soon as he was the number one wide receiver, he was dropping passes. He was scared to take a hit. He was fumbling left and right. And, like, just to see these two big physical Young. pieces. Yeah. It was like, okay, Arthur Smith, I see what you got going on yeah. here. And, yeah. You know, Mariota. Getting more comfortable in the offense. A little now. bit. It was, 250 yards passing. and It was still a rough game for him, I think. Um, and, and, you know, he still threw two interceptions, two really poorly thrown balls that were intended for Demir Bird, one of which uh, almost cost the Falcons the game. 
He's still way too inconsistent for me to to really like him. Even though he made a lot of big plays, made a lot of big throws, and um, had a, that huge run on third down every time, thirty five yard scamper to set up the game winning field goal. There's still just too many times where it was like, man, you're just way too inconsistent for me in terms of the decisions you're making. Well, he started the he started the game really rough, but like really second half he was really good. He was he was solid. I mean, it's, yeah. It was. It's really just those two picks that stand out to me. They're just really bad decisions on his end. Really bad decisions. And he was, you know, uh, but to you know to defend him also, he was under a lot more pressure than he's usually under. Like Carolina was, they only sacked him twice. They were in his grill a ton and forced a lot of bad throws, including that that last interception that was intended for Bird that almost lost the game. And that's a um, so you know Mariota's Mariota. Uh, you know he's had really he's played really just one great game this year. Um, where you can look at it and be like, all right, he was, you had to expect a guy to be perfect every week, but he was consistent. He was there. He made things happen. He helped you. He really helped you win and was kind of like an MVP quarterback of the game sort of thing. I think you see the offense progressing a little bit. Like the big thing from this past game was seeing those passes in the flats to the running back that hasn't been there at all. Allegier had a couple big plays Including there. The they touchdown. Had, they had a, yeah, the screen. That, like I've never seen a screen work so perfectly. Beautiful for us. block by I can't remember who it was. It was number sixty-eight. I, I, I remember it because I was like it was happening right on my side of the field. I saw that block and I was like, "Holy shit! What a block!" That sprung Algeria yeah. and it's perfectly executed screen. Yeah, we don't see usually screens for us, and this happened a couple times in this game. It's like play action screen immediately tackled. Like it just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, so obviously. This past week, it, I mean, it fell apart with just keeping in mind our secondary is absolutely decimated. And uh, P.J. Walker, was got he got comfortable. Yeah. I mean, that freaking Hail Mary, you know, horrible play by Dean Marlowe, the safety a, that let him get past It was him. a bad defensive play call, I thought. They were playing to keep Carolina off the sideline instead of preventing they had, uh, both uh, the players, touchdown pass. B- both players slowed down. Yes, but still... You should be preventing in that situation because there's only like 30 seconds left. There's no timeouts. Like, need a touchdown to score. A field goal doesn't matter. Protect the end zone. Fucking awful play call. Either way, like, and the, the players did not execute, obviously. But the players want, didn't execute. And but if you play traditional prevent defense where you're guarding the end zone, that doesn't happen. And that's the situation to do it when you're up by six. Right, but it was how many seconds left? There's 30 seconds left. Okay, so you could see like three quick throws, and then they have like a 10-yard pass, and we're complaining about how we always play too soft. Yeah, but I would rather defend the like touchdown that. than defend the sidelines when I'm up by six. You're going you're gonna to give it up somewhere. Don't give it up at the end zone. Especially against... But if you just have the sidelines, then it's one, two, three quick yeah, but passes. At, but yes, you can do that. But then once they get closer, you can defend the end zone a little bit. And you can, you know, you have a chance to stop them at the last second. They also had no timeouts left. I, I don't get the play call. I think it's a bad play call. I don't think it's atrocious. And I think it took like a one and 100 throw to get it as well. Yeah. Like that but you also have a horrible secondary. You have a horrible right, secondary. Right, that's the thing. Yeah. So, like, make sh- put your secondary in a position to succeed. You don't do that by not preventing the touchdown, potential touchdown pass to me. I think that was just, that was, I mean, we obviously uh, agree to disagree here, but I, I, I hated that that play call. But um, you got to give credit to P.J. Walker. Like it was a hell of a throw. throw was, it was a hell of a throw. And a hell of a catch. That's the best throw of the year. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. It was like 56 yards or something. Just um, right in his basket. It was yeah, unreal. No, it was a great, it was a great, uh, it was a great pass. And, um... Once I saw DJ Moore take off his helmet, I was um, I kept wondering. I, I I was like, well, one, I was shocked. Well, not really that shocked, but I was also like, there's too much time. I remember we were texting, and I was like, there's way you know, you were texting me with two minutes left. There's too much time on the clock. I was texting you with thirty seconds left. There's too much time on the clock. Yeah, and uh, lo and behold, there was. Um, but I saw DJ Moore take his helmet off, and I was like, I bet they're going to get a penalty. Maybe we have a chance if he misses, and and he did. Uh, this poor kicker for Carolina. Lost them the game twice in a span of about 30 minutes. Gotta love it. He, he's one of these uh, former Bears kickers where the Bears were going through all their kicking struggles and this guy was supposed to be the great redeemer. And he obviously didn't make it work. Did you see the picture of this kicker taking selfies before the game? No. Oh, yeah. Like, he was, like, on the field for a long time, just phone out, like, just posing left I'm sure, and right. I'm sure Young Way was just kicking practice field goals yeah, and getting ready. Exactly. <laughs> so, what do you think about Arthur Smith's call in general there to take the penalty on the smart. kick versus... Very smart. Because he could have gone either way. You could have gone either way, but, you know, 
I think it's a thing where it's like you want to make it as hard as possible for them to score that go-ahead point. So I, I fully, even even if he had made it, I fully support that decision. Yeah. That's yeah. the right decision. Absolutely the right call. And I can understand going the other way, but I think, like I said, when you when you have a chance to, to make it harder for them to score, do it. Do it. Because um, you really don't have much time left. It was like you get the ball back and you're down. It's like maybe you can get a field goal, but it's like, eh, maybe not. Um, so... One one thing that also really jumped out to me was Demir Bird getting targeted more. He's targeted six times, had three catches for sixty seven yards and touchdown. Um, the touchdown pass they had in the uh, they caught in the fourth quarter was beautiful, and I think it showed me that hopefully the Falcons are going to start using him in the more short to intermediate passing routes because that wasn't really a long pass; it was like a 10, 15 yard pass that he just sprung, you know, because of his speed to to score a touchdown. Um, so I want to see him utilize more because it was like they kept, they keep relying on him for the deep threat ever since that, you know, the game a couple of weeks ago against Cincinnati. Um, you know, that's how the two interceptions happen. It's like we know that the Bird is now a guy we got to watch for the deep ball. So starting to use – hopefully the Falcons are – this is a sign. Hopefully they're going to start using him in, in shorter passes, intermediate passes, and let him use his legs. I think he's a pretty talented little receiver. Yeah, I mean, like I, I was surprised – I remember him from a few years ago, like with the Patriots, and he's a former Panther as well. And, you know, we needed that deep threat. To, I mean, it's going to open things up for Pitts. It's going to open things up for London a little more. Yeah. Um, just having that option. But at the end of the day, like for those two deep throws to him this past game, mm-hmm. I'd like to see those balls go into London or Pitts, you know? I agree. Someone like, that can battle. Yeah, I think Bird, it's fine to do that with Bird, but you can't just – that's. I, I because those were clearly designed for, Bo- for for Bird. He was the number one option. Yeah, and it's and yeah, we should be drawing up more stuff for for London and Pitts. I totally agree with you. And it's not a bad idea to use Bird on the deep pass. We've seen it work, but you got to be able to use them in different ways. And I'm glad they started to do that at the end of the game, and it and it paid off. Um, another thing that was great: Caleb Huntley was a dominant uh, rusher, averaged five point seven yards per carry, sixteen for ninety one. Um, he did a really good job on the ground. A lot of tough, hard runs. A lot of the times with these Falcons backs, we've seen them, you know, get a decent amount of yards, but their 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 average is like three point four, maybe close to four. This was like five point seven per handoff, so that's that's a beautiful number. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's the epitome of like what this Falcons team is—a guy on a one-year deal, undrafted, just busting tail. And it's just it's like um, the 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 same concept of what Snicker does with his clubhouse is what Arthur Smith and Fontenot are doing, or just getting the right guys onto this team. And like everyone believes in themselves and it's a lot of underdogs. Yeah. Um, but it goes to show even with all this dead cap space, if you get the right guys playing together and you coach them up, right? Yeah. I think, I think the coaching makes a big difference in, in the execution as well. Um, and, and it, it makes me realize I really have undervalued Arthur Smith as a maximizer of talent. Because on paper, these guys aren't really that talented. I mean, there's some that are obviously like, you know, your Londons, your Pitts, your Grady Jarrett's. Obviously, those guys are, are great players, um, particularly Pitts and, and Jarrett. But, you know, a lot of these other players, like, you never heard of these guys. You know, you know and, and, and they're really going out there and, and giving their all. And, and, I mean, Caleb Huntley wasn't even on my radar, right? I knew Algier, we have Corderell, obviously he's not playing right now, but, like, Huntley's come in here and just done a, a fantastic job. And, being able to have depth at running back is so critical, too. And like you mentioned earlier, starting to use running backs in the short passing game hopefully is uh, uh, something that will continue because how long have we seen Tom Brady torture the league? And that's like his one of his primary things he does is just dump balls off to running backs and let running backs make plays. We should be doing that way more often for Mariota, a guy that is an inconsistent passer. Getting the running backs more involved in the uh, – in the passing game, I think is a very important thing to keep doing for this offense. It's going to be interesting this week as well because reports are fresh off the press. Graham Corderell is going to play this week. Good. So, I mean, our, our number one playmaker is back. So we'll see how they mix him back in. And you know, I don't think you're going to completely stop using a guy like Huntley or Algier. And yeah, um, you can limit his snaps a little bit more. But you know, he's got that explosiveness that we're lacking a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. And apparently, San Diego's run defense is horrendous. Yeah, it's not good. Who we're playing this week. And uh, we we got a chance here. The the good news with this matchup against the Chargers, they're also missing Keenan Allen 
and Mike Williams now. Oh, that's big. Yeah. So especially for this poor, poor secondary. Right. I and mean, yeah, we we can't gloss over the fact that our defense is absolutely atrocious right now. Uh, we do, not just in the in the secondary, like the the the, 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 the rushing rush. game. Yeah. The rushing game. Uh, the rushing defense was terrible. Yeah. Uh, last week. Um, it, it just wasn't good. Dante Foreman rushes for 118 yards and three touchdowns. Three rushing touchdowns he gave it to one dude. Um, that's awful. The pass rush sucks. The running defense sucks. And the secondary sucks right now. Um, we got our uh, obligatory one sack as well last week, <laughs> which was a miracle. Um, Rashawn Evans picked that up. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's 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 going to be a rough game, I think, against San Diego. Or, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, but, you know, Falcons are at home. West Coast team coming across uh, coming across the country. Like you mentioned, they're missing they're missing a lot of key pieces, and the run defense isn't very good. And we're still a very uh, run oriented team, even though we passed the ball a hell of a lot more this week. So I think it's gonna be another close game. I don't know who's gonna win, but um, and the Chargers are coming off a bye, so we'll we'll see what happens. But you gotta just love how this Falcons team rallied, even though they had no business winning that game. Even though it was a disgusting game. They didn't lose their heads, and um, that game-winning drive was great. The game-winning drive was really well executed, and you know, on third and short with Mariota, tucking and running and and doing what he does best, I think, um, in terms of running the football, just made an electric play, made it happen when he absolutely had to. I know I've been giving him some shit this episode, but that was a huge, huge play, that that uh, 35-yard run to set up the field goal. I'm looking at these Chargers right now, Graham, mm-hmm. to see what they've done so far this year. Here, here's okay, four and three, right, or something. Yeah, so they they beat the Raiders, twenty four nineteen. Big big accomplishment. They're like the worst team in the league. Yeah. Uh, somehow only lost by three to the Chiefs. They got their asses kicked at home by the Jaguars, thirty eight ten. Oh yeah, that is right. Uh, they beat the Texans by ten. They beat the lowly Browns by two. They beat the lowly Broncos by three. And they got their asses kicked by the Seahawks their last game. So, yeah, we can definitely run with these guys then. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously with, uh, what's their quarterback's name? Uh, Herbert. Justin Herbert. Herbert, yeah. That's that's a concern. He's sure. he's very good. He's very good. But, I mean, missing Williams and Allen is huge for us. Yeah. And I think, th- I know they drafted another uh, high-profile receiver this year as a rookie, so maybe he's going to be the one of the primary targets for Herbert. But, uh and they got you know the very dangerous Austin Eckler, one of the better backs in the league. Can oh, do can yeah. do it all. Great pass catcher, great rusher. Um, that could be bad for us. That could be bad for us. So I mean, that's a concern. Yeah, they like they might just win based off him. Like if Dante Foreman rushes for uh, 118 and three touchdowns against you. God only knows but what Austin Eckler is going to do. If we can just control the clock. Yeah, if you play ball control, yeah. If you play ball control and really exploit that run defense that is uh, apparently such trash, you got a chance to win. The Falcons, I think, no matter who the Falcons play this year, they're always going to have a chance with with Arthur Smith leading the way in terms of the mentality of this team. They are not a great team. At times, they are a disgusting team, but they're gonna they're gonna give it everything they got, and they're gonna they're gonna play teams hard. I don't. I mean, in all our losses. I mean, or combined like, I don't know, 12, 10, 12 points or something like that. Like, we, we, every game we play, whether we win or lose, is pretty close outside of that San Francisco game, which we dominated. And you see the beauty of making Young Way Koo one of the highest paid kickers. Like, it wins you ball games. Oh, he's very consistent. He's, he's one of the best in the league. He's a, he's a top five kicker in the league, hands down. Like, I loved hearing him talk about, they were asking him after the game whether or not there's like more pressure on a big kick like that. And he's like, no, because you just—it's all about the process. You you have a routine. Just repeat it. You yeah. just repeat the routine. It's like I felt just as comfortable over that as I did over that same length kick I made in the first quarter. Yeah, I'm like Mr. Selfie Boy. Yeah, <laughs> poor bastard. Well, what was funny is that I was I was I was sitting on the the side of the field where that kick uh, was attempted by uh, the Panthers kicker, and I mean he barely missed it. I mean when he kicked it, it looked good to me, and I was like, oh shit, we lost. But everybody was screaming on the other side of the stadium, and, we, and my sections all looking at each other like <laughs> he missed it. And then the referees, you know, do the the miss sign. We're like, oh my god! Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. At that point, I mean, I thought it was gonna be a tie. I was like, okay, no one's gonna win this game. Yeah. Got it. We're right. gonna have a like three way tie for first. And I mean, it was so huge for the standing. The Panthers would have been 
in first place, we would have been 0-3 in the NFC South. Yeah. Just feeling absolutely miserable about ourselves right now. Yeah. But now here we are, November 3rd, and we're still talking about football and kind of excited about this team. Right, right. And I believe you owe me 50 bucks, legitimately. I do owe you 50 bucks. Yeah. Because the Falcons have won more than three games. So a couple funny things that happened to me at the uh, the game. Uh, I mentioned the cup, uh, the, the two guys sitting in front of me, old school Falcons fans. Um, one of which was, uh, you know, getting a little. He was very silent most of the game. He's just saying the occasional comment, but he was getting a little rowdy uh, in overtime. And he's like, "Come on, Marcus, show him why you won the Heisman Trophy." Show him why you're the Heisman Trophy winner. And his friend is looking. I'm just laughing, going, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, like, like whatever, man. Mariota's nothing. Then after he makes that run, Mariota <laughs> makes that run. Like, me and him are both going crazy. And I grab him. I'm like, that's why he's the Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> and he goes, that's why he's the Heisman Trophy winner. And his friend's just looking at us, just shaking his head. It was quite amusing. And then the, the couple next to me left after the DJ Moore Hail Mary. This yeah. guy was really into the game. As I'm sure a lot of people Lifelong do. Falcon. He was saying he's had season tickets since like 2015 or something like yeah. that. And um, Falcon sweatshirt. His girlfriend wasn't uh, quite as into the game as, as uh, we were. But right when that happened, he like immediately got up and just left. It was the classic like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, no, I mean, it felt like, oh man, okay, we still got a little bit of that Dan Quinn in us. Yeah, that, that chokeability. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun just like watching the game with some 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 fans that are really invested because hey, you know like last year I went to the Patriots Thursday night game and no one was in the game, no yeah. one around us was in the game. It was just like hate watching. I was like, why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like kind of late in the season, wasn't it? Or like we were clearly bad. We were bad, but we were still technically alive. Yeah. And then like the most fun I had in a game last year was going like on the road, uh, the Carolina, uh, the second Carolina game last year shortly before the holidays. Like, that was fun, just going to an opposing stadium and talking shit because we won that game. Yeah. But it was still, like, not a great game. Like, this was as bad a game as it was. Super entertaining, super fun. Um, especially, like, second quarter on. So, uh, good stuff. Those definitely pink, definitely those... go to a game this year if you, if you, if you haven't yet. It's, it's, a different, it's a slightly different environment. Yeah, that sounds like a classic Georgia Dome experience. It was, yeah, yeah. Community around the section where you're sitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, those Panthers are scrappy, though, man. Like it's interesting to see with you talking about how you kind of underestimated Arthur Smith and what the effect that he can have on um, player development, morale, all of that, coaching people up. Like the Panthers, they fire Matt Rule. They look like the worst team in the league, and now all they do is get rid of him. And like they're scrappy. They're not going to be an easy out either. You yeah, know? I can't remember who they brought in to be their new coach, but. Um, he's an interim guy. I mean, a guy on their staff he, he, already. Yeah, he's been around the league for a while. I think his last name is Wilkes or something. But he he completely flipped the script. Um, and you know, when that in that Tampa Bay game when they kicked their ass. And also, they you know they also traded McCaffrey. They don't have McCaffrey anymore. So it's like they really, yeah, were tearing everything down. In the sense, you you fire your head coach, you trade McCaffrey. It's like what do you got left? And these guys just rallied. Yeah, Walker's like started the season as their third string quarterback, right. and now he's. You know, throwing for 300 yards. Yeah. Um, albeit against a, probably one of the worst secondaries in the league, but, you know, give them credit. And uh, this division is far from over. This division is far from over. The Saints also won last week, so they're 3-5. and five. They're only one game behind us. Tampa Bay's The Andy Dalton-led Saints. Andy Dalton-led Saints. Um, and, you know, the Panthers are only two games behind us. Like, they've they got a lot of football left. Anyone, it's anyone's division, honestly. It's anyone's division because – None of the teams are very good. Gun to your head, who's winning the division at this point? If we, if you have a gun to my head and you can guarantee me that Hayward and Terrell come back, I think we can win the division. If they don't come back, I think someone else might sneak through. I think it could. Yeah, you know, I think Tampa Bay can still get their shit together at the end of the day. Yeah, my money's probably still on Tampa Bay at the end of the day. I don't bet against Tom Brady, but that leads us into. I don't. I don't know if Hayward's going to come back. But that leads us into the trade deadline. Yeah. Falcons know, you were know. surprisingly active. Surprisingly active. But they, it was like a good balanced job of, you know, getting some pieces for this year along with future assets. Yeah. It, it was weird though, man. Like with, um, so Calvin really officially traded to the team he bet against last year. So he bet that the Falcons would cover the spread against Jacksonville. 
And now he's going to the Jaguars. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's been a wild, wild turn of events for Calvin Ridley. But... I, I'm glad he's gone um, because even though I think he's an extremely talented player, something something's going on upstairs. And um, regardless of your opinion on taking mental health break or not, like I just I still think it was kind of like. Uh, I think he sort of let the team down. Yeah. No, he quit on his team. Yeah, which I hate this because, I mean, I'm all for, like, people taking care of themselves and mental health and all that. But, you know, Adam, can you take an extended, like, seven-week mental health break at your job? No. Exactly. Could I? No. Well, like, we also haven't heard from him since that happened. Like, no explanation. It's not like he's out there, like, on social media, like, vocally supporting the team. Right. Apparently he had all like a couple break-ins at his house and just did not like Atlanta. He's a Florida boy and like clearly, I don't know, he just wanted to get out. Yeah, I mean, you know, stuff like that happens at the home. It can certainly affect your mental health. That absolutely sucks and that's that's awful. But I don't know. You'd think there'd be some family in that locker room. and Yeah, I'd be able to support him and help him through it. Who knows what the actual... I mean, the team was... Publicly very supportive. Right, of right. And but you know the whole the mental health thing is one one issue. But the the bigger issue to me is is gambling. Not that I care that he gambled, but you have to know it's against the rules, and someone's going to find out. It's a stupid rule. You might understand why it's in place, but it's like you got to know better. You just can't do that. That's just that's just a common sense thing that you just completely screwed up. You got to be scared for the Jaguars, though. Like you look at what Fontenot has done. In the Julio Jones trade now. And Matt ab- Ryan. Absolutely fleeced him. Yeah, the Matt Ryan trade. Absolutely fleeced him. It's like... But this Jaguars trade, it's complicated. It's not... I don't know how to... I don't know what we got. It's, I think it's weird. We, we got as good as like a second and a fifth or as bad as like a fourth and a sixth, I think. So officially, the Falcons will receive draft compensation that could result in a maximum of a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 second rounder. I think it's contingent... On, I think the 2024 second rounder, from what I remember, is contingent on Ridley signing a new deal with Jacksonville. Correct. So that is. So he's got to like play next year, and then if they re-sign him, then it's a second round pick, which is a steal. Yeah, if that actually happens, great. You know, great. Um, and you know what? For for anyone who wanted more for Calvin Ridley, um, considering his his pedigree or at least what it was. He hasn't played football in a year and a half at this point, and what he did last year was was pretty bad. Yeah, like I said, look at look at the tape there. Yeah, so I think getting anything for him, no, it's let fantastic. alone the potential for a second round pick, like you said, steal. It's fantastic, and we're clearing that's eleven more million in cap space for next year. We can do whatever we want to next year. You're you're a Ravens guy, Graham. Yes, I'm, they are my second team. Do you think there's any chance Lamar Jackson's a Falcon next year? I think are, are, is Baltimore going to blow this? Well, the thing is, is that they offered him, I think, a, a pretty big deal. I think it was like two hundred million and one hundred thirty guaranteed. He turned that down. So the Ravens don't exact won't exactly have the same amount of cap that we're working with because they're they're a contending team. They're a good team, right? So they have, um, you know, they're paying people. I mean, we're paying a lot of people that aren't on the team right now, but our cap's going to be wide open next year. Whereas theirs, um, I think they'll still be able to sign them, but it might hurt them in other places. So they might move on. Um, I, th- I think it's, it's bad that they didn't get a deal done before the season started. Cause now it's open season. Now he hits free agency. Now he's Freddie Freeman. Now he's Freddie Freeman. And he also, I think went on the record. I'm sorry if I'm wrong about this, but I think he went on the record saying that he's not going to talk a uh, deal until the end of the season. So once again, guy betting on himself, Lamar is a very talented player. I watch him pretty much every week. He has deficiencies in his passing game. Sometimes he makes really dumb decisions but he's the most electric quarterback I've seen play the position since Michael Vick in terms of being able to extend plays with his legs and do things that you didn't think were possible. And he's a much better passer than Mike ever could have hoped to be, um, at least with the Falcons. Is so, he? Yeah. I mean, that's the comparison. Is gonna and he's come never up had with. a great receiver. He has a great tight end in Mark Andrews, but never had a great wide receiver. Drake London and him could really unlock some things, I think, if, if Lamar me. were to come yeah, here. with Kyle Pitts. With like, Kyle Pitts. And yeah. we know, you know, from the Mark Andrews relationship, he loves his tight ends. He'll turn Kyle Pitts into a top three tight end in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be empty seats. 
There no. would be empty seats in no. Mercedes Benz. It'll, it'll, yeah, it'll be like Mike Vick 2.0. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he is an unbelievably talented guy. But I guess the question is, like, you know, that's going to be a ridiculous amount of money. Would you rather, like, just sign? I haven't looked at the list, Graham, but I'm mm-hmm. assuming whoever the number one offensive lineman is, the number one pass rusher, the number one cornerback, and I don't know. Maybe we'll see Ritter at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mariota continues to progress and you run it back with him. Mm-hmm. Would you rather do that versus like going all in on a quarterback? Yes, I would rather yeah. do your proposal because I've also seen Lamar in the playoffs. He's not been good in the playoffs. Yeah. Yet he's only won, I think, one playoff game. And he makes it seems like his decision making, which at times can be inconsistent, gets even worse in the postseason. So until he proves that he can be like the guy in the playoffs, he's not someone I want to like just go all in on at the expense of not solidifying my trenches, not solidifying my offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would rather see what we have in, in Ritter, honestly. Although the idea of Lamar is extremely tantalizing because he is a hell of a talent. Although, I mean, you look at the NFL and like so many Super Bowl teams, they have that quarterback on a rookie deal and then yes. they can spend money elsewhere. Yes. Um, so we've seen that with Mahomes. We've seen that with Russell Wilson. Yeah. So yeah. whether or not run back with what we got or draft another quarterback this year. Eventually, we do need to see Ritter in a game. Yeah, I think we will. Just some slop. Yeah, I, I think we need. I think we will see Ritter before the, before the end of we'll the year. We'll get blown out eventually. Well, I think we, yeah, we will eventually get blown out, and we'll probably... Mariota hasn't played a full season in a while. I think he potentially could get injured. He's also starting to take more hits um, in the pocket and outside the pocket, too, when he runs. So... Who knows about his durability? We will definitely. I, I will go on the record and, and make and have a take that we will definitely see Ritter start at least one game this year, if not more. Yeah, you got to know what you have. I mean, eventually, unless it goes to week, I guess eighteen now, and we're still battling for a playoff spot, you would think one of the last two weeks we're either in the playoffs, have it locked up, or we're out. Let's see some Ritter, or we're eliminated. If we're eliminated, especially, there's no excuse not to give him a. Like a three game window yeah. to start or something. Yeah, because you know damn well we're not winning a wild card. Like you got to win this shitty division if you're going to get in. Probably the NFC East is just like beastly. Yeah, we are what the NFC East normally is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the NFC East. Yeah, Giants, Cowboys. Hell, the Commanders are four and four. Who's the other? And then Philly's undefeated. So, yeah. I mean, I think I think both New York teams are about to start dropping off though. The Giants and the Jets. Potentially, they're, but they're, they're no better than but us. But you're, you're right at this point that, um, you know, you're absolutely right that getting the wild card is probably not an option. So, yeah, you got to win the division, division or bust. Yeah. So, but the road is there. We, we control our destiny right now. Yeah. After the Chargers, the schedule gets a lot easier until we play Baltimore on Christmas Eve. So, um, that'll Christmas be a, Eve, that's a fun game. That'll be a fun game. I'll be in enemy territory. Oh, you'll be I'm not going to be in Baltimore, but I'll be in uh, Florida at the uh, in-laws' house where it's a big Ravens' house. Yes. So I'm going to have to like probably watch the game outside, um, the outside area, outside bar, and uh, so I don't get in a fight with anybody. Yeah, no, your your father-in-law doesn't seem like he takes too kindly to... Anti-Ravens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not about that shit. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it should be a fun game. And... You know what? That win against the Seahawks is looking better and better with each passing week. Dude, Seattle's yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's so weird with like the schedule. You never know. Like, I mean that 49ers, Thank God we caught the 49ers <laughs> before they trade for McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Yeah, he, he he goes out and throws for a touchdown, rushes for one, and receives one. Like, you know, that's a great win as well. Yeah, so. yeah, especially you beat them by like two scores. Yeah, Saints loss is bad. I'd like that one back. Yeah, but. I'd like that one back. You'd like the, the Rams loss back in, in, in the retrospect, even though they're... Yeah, they're a 4-3, 4-14. Yeah, you know, they're still definitely a better team than us, I would say, overall. You still could have could have won that game, and they've struggled like crazy. But um, thank God this is one we would normally lose. Somehow everything went right for us, and we pulled it out. It was really refreshing, especially like when Koo goes... Like once Mariota made that run, I was like, yeah, okay, we're good. Like I, I had no doubt in my mind. I was like, unless they somehow block the kick... Like, who is not going to choke here yeah. and miss this thing? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just – I mean, having that mobile quarterback is just – it's everything. It really is. It really is. Like when Matt you, Ryan would have had to complete like 12 intermediate passes. Matt Ryan play. would have gotten sacked in that play. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the the there was no one Possible open. Possible fumble. Yeah, there was no one open, and he had to take off. And he had a very narrow window to do it. If Matt Ryan tried to take off there, he would have just gotten hit right when he tried to take off or before. So, poor Matt Ryan. Um Anyway, I think that concludes Falcons' discussions, Adam, unless you have anything else. Um, yeah, Graham, so the last thing that I have is Falcons traded, made a trade with the Chiefs for a cornerback, Rashad Fenton, uh, who this guy, he's like a fourth, third or fourth-year player, I believe, still young, started multiple games for them last year, eight-plus, I believe. He's, he's had 16 starts in 47 games, according to the Falcoholic. Hasn't really been a big contributor. Um, he, he hasn't played since week five. So, uh, well, they had a couple rookies. I think have come in and impressed. Yeah, he's also a six round pick, so it's not like he was going to be dependent upon to be like a uh, big time starter for them. But as things stand now, he he's CB one. He's probably going to be a starter <laughs> for us this week. Oh yeah. So I mean, good to see them going out there and like. You know, obviously, they want to go for this as well. So, like we said earlier, making some trades for this year, but not mortgaging the future. Yeah, not, what, do we trade like a seventh-round pick, sixth-round pick? Yeah, something like that. Not blowing it up. Yeah. Um, he does have seven pass deflections this year. So, I mean, that's that's probably better than everyone else on the on the Falcons, not named Terrell or, or Hayward. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But it is nice to get some help in, in the secondary, even if it's uh, minimal. All right, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break and then uh, talk some Hawks basketball. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are very slim, Graham. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse, it's racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. All right, everybody. Here's your uh, gambling corner segment again. Uh, one and one last week. I'll give you two more this week. We're, I think, three and two since I started doing this. or four. I think four and two. We're above 500 either way. So, uh, two games I like this week is uh, Buffalo at the Jets, even though Buffalo's given up 10.5, because Buffalo is Buffalo. They're really freaking good. If you've been watching football this year, you should know that. And the Jets have lost uh, Brees Hall, their, their great running back, and they're banged up, and Zach Wilson is throwing like three picks a game. The Jets just lost to the Patriots and, uh, last week, and now they're facing a fully charged Buffalo team that's ready to just probably destroy them. So, take Buffalo... I also like uh, Minnesota over Washington. Minnesota gives up three and a half points. Minnesota has been quietly one of the better teams in the league, even though they've kind of played a bit of a soft schedule. Um, the Commanders aren't terrible, but Minnesota is a much better team than the Commanders on paper. And they got Dalvin Cook, and he's starting to play a lot better. And with a three and a half point spread, it's pretty much whoever's going to, um, you know, you would hope that Minnesota uh, can cover that and, and win by more than, than three points against Washington, even though it is on the road. So those are my two picks. Buffalo against the Jets, Minnesota. Take Minnesota over Washington. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up, same-game parlays once per game, all season long. So here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Adam. More Hawks stuff. Another bad performance beaten by 30 points by the Raptors. Um, I think the day of this recording, we're playing the Knicks tonight at the Garden, so I'm sure that'll be entertaining. But we're seeing more of the same, uh, it feels like, especially in this game. Defensive sluggishness. Um a lot of uh, no adjustments being made. The, the Raptors are very famous 
Adam. I don't know if you're aware of this, but they're very famous for going uh, using what they call five wide, where they don't really have a guy in the uh, in the paint. And when that happens, it sort of exposes the Falcons, or excuse me, the Falcons, <laughs> the Hawks' defense for for what it is. Which one is of them very birds. Good. One of them birds because um, you know you get by Clint Capella. There's no uh, real help defense, and Capella's a bad perimeter defender. And um, so they, they did that to us pretty much all night, and then they also forced a bunch of turnovers. I think they scored 42 points off of turnovers. And uh, just a sluggish effort defensively all around. Nothing really to hang your hat on in this game. It was an ugly blowout. It's the ugliest game of the year. And um, just shows once again that Nate McMillan doesn't like to adjust. And the Falcons, I don't like you calling the Falcons, the Hawks are still a bad, bad team defensively despite the arrival of one DeJounte Murray. Yeah, I mean, I think he's improved us some, and it seems yes. like he's taken on more of a leadership role. Yes, but he can't do it all by himself. No, it's just, yeah, it's, an, it's a scheme thing. You can't just add in one player and yeah. think everything is going to be better. And we, I can't stop looking at King's box scores and seeing <laughs> Kevin Herter just absolutely balling out because we don't have any shooters right now. And I'm getting more upset about it because we only did it for the luxury tax. Like, there's no world where Justin Holiday is a better player than Kevin Herter. Right. You know? And, like, he's he's shooting lights out. He's he's averaging, like, 23 points a game. Oh, man. Shot, like, 7 of 8 the other night from 3. Oh, that'd be nice to have. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I mean, th- I think once Bogey is back, it doesn't make as big of a difference, but it's glaring right but, now. But who knows how he's going to react to, you know, we, I always get nervous about any player of any sport not having a normal offseason training program when they have to rehab and train at the same time. It's just it's it's a recipe for uh, for disaster. I think we've seen it all across. Um, you know, we've seen it recently with with Charlie Morton. Even though I know he's forty years old, but it's still like it, that affects your routine. That affects how you get back in the game. We saw it with Ronald Acuna. You know, I know that's baseball, but it you know it also happens at basketball. We saw it last year with Gallinari. We saw it last year with Bogdanovich again. Um, you know, it's it's uh, I, I don't think that's going to solve the problem. Honestly, Adam, I mean, I think it'll be better. But um, you know, Herder was the younger, uh, younger option. I think Bogdanovich is a better player, but you know, yeah, we're missing uh, Kayvon right now, and that's that's. I'm happy for him that he's having success because I like Kayvon a lot. But I'm upset that uh, you know we could still have him and we don't. I mean, at the end of the day, the offense isn't our issue. And no, the defense sucks. Yeah, like I think, and Kevin's not a great. Defender. Every game we, I think the league average for points scored per game is like 109. And every time we've held the opponent under 109, we've won. And all these shootouts is what we're losing when the defense just goes to shit. Yeah. You know, you look at, like, all the past, like, last year NBA Finals, it was the Celtics and the Warriors. They're all top – they're both top five in defense, Mm -hmm. believe it or not, with the Warriors as well. So, I think it's a McMillan thing. I agree. I agree. And I know I said I'm not going to, like, overreact and – We'll see what this team is like in February, and I still I'm going to try and hold to that. But I still, you know, I went on the record when we did our season preview for the Hawks that I don't think McMillan's the guy, and I still firmly believe that. And he talks about it. He talked about it in the post game presser. He's like, "Defense is bad. Defense is bad." And it's like, "Yes, defense is bad, Nate. We we see it. What are you going to do to fix it? Why are they not responding to what you're saying?" Because he also mentioned in the first week of the season that he was going to work. You know that that you know they're having a practice specifically focusing on defense. I think it was after that Hornets game we lost, and it hasn't gotten better. It's like I don't know if it's a scheme thing. It's players don't really respect McMillan, or a combination of the two. Um, but it, it ain't working so far. It ain't working so far to start this new season. I mean, we're four and three. It's not like we're the Lakers, like mm-hmm. one and seven. You no, know? we're we're not a trash team, but we are capable of of, of giving trash trash performances, and and it's frustrating because you feel like. We have the talent not to do that. We have the talent to not give up 139 points. Well, it was the same, like, McMillan's given the same speech after this past game against the Raptors where people were just like, the Raptors wanted it more than we did. Why, why does why that is keep that the happening? Case? Yeah. Why are we lethargic to start yeah. games? Why is it that, like, we have multiple of our quote-unquote stars who just aren't showing up? Like, yeah. you know, John Collins didn't do much against the Bucks. Yeah. And that was a close game too. Yeah, I mean, we actually played. I mean, that was actually kind of promising to see. Yeah, how, how we played. They just have the a Bucks. complete letdown against right. Toronto. So, I don't know, man. I. It is early, 
But I yeah. think I think McMillan's leash is very short. Yeah. Uh, like to the point where like if we are like around 500 and kind of just middling around um, by the All Star break, maybe earlier than that, I think he's gone. Like. Oh yeah, by the All Star break, if we're still kind of like yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, see what Bogey's return does for that second unit because that second unit is just getting thrashed. Yeah, the second unit with the Dejounte is not working right now. Yeah. Um. So, but you know, things can change. Players can adjust to schemes. You know, we still have a number of guys like the Holiday Brothers and Dejounte adjusting to a new, uh, new scheme here. So, you know, not all is lost. Not all is doom and gloom. But it is disconcerting that we're seeing. A lot of the same things that we bitched about all last year happening again and happening at a consistent level. It's uh, it's just it's just not encouraging. It's just not encouraging. It's just you're it's concerned. Like, I'm very I'm concerned. Classic me being we got a gram concerned because it's like we had all off season to work on this shit. Well, we, yeah, I mean we made changes to the roster, but but just from a schematic standpoint, sure. You know, you had a chance. Nate McMillan has a chance to sit back and say, okay. Why our defense suck? What can we do to fix it? We're bringing in this, these new guys. How can I utilize these guys to get what I want defensively? Also, not even just from a defensive standpoint, from a morale standpoint, from a mentality standpoint, how can I instill a backbone in this team where they aren't coming out uh, lethargic? Because there's just no excuse for that, man. Like, I know you're not going to have your A game every day, but the Hawks over the last two seasons have had, I know this season is young, but this Toronto Raptors game is exhibit A of like so many games last year. Where it's like just flat effort, effort's not there. That 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 just can't continue. Long season, we'll see what happens. But once again, it's it's kind of the same old stuff. I hate that we're starting this Hawks season off talking about like, oh God, why you know this is happening all over again. Apathy's creeped in after two weeks. Like what the hell? Thirteen thirteen against the Knicks right now, Graham. Okay, so you can relax for now. It's all good. Okay. I think that's it, Adam. We're going to wrap this one up and we will see you guys next week. Thank you again for listening. And until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.